Okay. What are we talking about? Does anybody know? Here, here's a hint. That, that, that's 10 minus 1 is what? Nine. Nine. And, and the second word, it, it rhymes with Babbitts and it starts with an H. Habits. Habits of an overcoming follower of Christ. And why, why, are we, why are we going through this message? The reason that we're going through this message is this. Pastor Needs and I have noticed in the last 25 years of ministry that there are people who love God but never seem to have victory in their life. There are people that, that, that they're in their Bible every, almost every day, it seems like. And, and sometimes they seem like they're even, you know, hyper-religious, but they don't seem to have victory in their life. They go from one travesty to another, one, one accident to another, one mistake to a failure. And they don't seem to have very many victories in their life. So, so instead of, you know, a, a Christian's life should kind of look like this. Watch. So you, you get a victory here, and then, yeah, you're going to have a test and a trial and tribulation. And then you get a victory here, and you get a, a test and a trial and tribulation. And then you get a victory. You see what's happening? You're rising. And, and it may be so gradual that you don't notice it, but other people will. That's the way your life should look to others as you're maturing in Christ. But if you're not maturing in Christ, are you ready? You're going to look like this. You have a victory, boom, and you're all the way down in the valley. You have a victory, boom, then you're all the way down in the valley. You have a victory, boom, you're all the way down in the valley. And then pretty soon, because your perception and your expectation for your future changes, you begin to look like this. You're down here, and you have a little good time. Down here, you have a little good time. And you're down here, and you have a little good time. Has anybody been through this section? I've been through this section. This is not a fun time. And, and, and I've got to tell you, God does not change. And so when we're going through that length, I'm not talking about an occasion. I'm not talking about an event. I'm talking about years of this. I'm talking about you can't break out of this. It's not God, it's us. God doesn't change. So we can't blame him. God is a good God. Everything good and perfect comes from the Father of heavenly lights. Now, yes, we're going to have trials and we're going to have tribulations, but our life isn't to be a trial and a tribulation. Jesus suffered on the cross the agony of death. He bore our sins in his flesh so we wouldn't have to live an entire life of trials and tribulations and testing. We go through those things to get better. We go through those things to get stronger. And when we go through those things in a godly way, guess what happens? When we go through those things in a godly way, when we are in a dip, when we are in a valley, it's not very noticeable. As a matter of fact, people will look at somebody like that and they'll say, they'll say what's wrong with them? Don't they know how dire this situation is? Don't they know how dangerous this is? Don't you know how foolish this looks? And, and, and the overcoming follower of Christ is like, hey, we got it. We got it. We got it. God's got it. He's got my back. We've got it. God's going to come through. Because God never changes. As you mature in Christ, you'll find you'll change less and less according to circumstance, situation, relationship, because you're becoming more and more like your Heavenly Father. Are you hearing me? 
praise the Lord. So that's why we're teaching this. And the nine habits of an overcoming follower of Christ is this. We, we put the word of God first in our lives. That's number one. Number two, we constantly are in prayer. Or it seems like we're constantly in prayer. I mean, our spirit is open to God. We're listening. We're listening for God's voice, okay? Number three, we, we consider our ways. How did we get where we're at today? It's because of the decisions we made yesterday. We consider the paths of yesterday because the way that we, we, the paths that we decided to take yesterday, the way we decided to conduct ourselves in the last couple weeks has brought us to the place that we are. And if we don't like where we are, then we have to consider this and make some changes so that our future, we will decide to do things differently. We'll decide to respond and react differently so that our destination changes. Because if we keep doing the same thing we did yesterday, we're going to have the same today, tomorrow. Did, did you follow that? I'm not sure that I did, but I think I communicated it. So, so number three, or number four is we are missional. We understand that being in Christ, we have a purpose. We understand that, we, that coming to Christ just isn't about us getting to go to heaven. That, that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about becoming one with your father, becoming a child of God so then you can become his ambassador here on the earth and lead people out of the peril they are in into salvation to rescue them from the situation they are in and then have Christ recreate himself in them so they don't have to go to you or another person in a time of need but they have God within them and then they are able to take the dips in the valleys and begin to flatten those out and keep increasing in their life as they mature in Christ. We are to reproduce Christ in others. Can I get an amen? amen? And right now we're doing number number five. The fifth habit is we're generous. And I, 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 I thought quite a bit about this this morning. When, as soon as I say we're generous, I can almost feel the religious walls go up. When, when I say the fifth habit of an overcoming follower of Christ is that we are generous... I could almost feel the walls of self-protection go up. I could almost feel some of you guys reaching behind and making sure your wallet's still back there. It's so strong. Not because of what's been preached in the past, because much of what's been preached in the past from other preachers and evangelists, you guys think were wrong, but they were right. You just heard them through, a twisted, through twisted ears. Because they were preaching the word of God. And, and you perceive, God, can I say it? We perceived what they were saying through our own stinginess and greed. And therefore, we thought they were out to empty our pocketbooks. And yes, guys, listen, in the body of Christ... Uh, on, on, on the chan TV channels for Christian, ch there's going to be one or two charlatans out there. But I want you to know something. God is bigger than a charlatan. God is bigger than a con man. And he will be found out. And he will be brought low because God doesn't change. Do, do you understand? He will lose his footing. 
he will lose his foundation. He will lose his influence. And we could go through the last 25 years and probably name four or five that did. And then I could probably name 10 or 20 that have been accused of being a charlatan or being a con man, but they're not because they're still there and God is still blessing what they're doing. See, time is a good, it is a very good judge. John 10.10, when I'm talking about generosity, I am not talking about, when we talk about the overcoming follower of Christ is generous, we're not talking about putting money into the bucket or responding through push pay or, or, or science. We're not talking about giving to the church. Okay. I'm trying to tear this wall down because you can't receive the truth if you think I'm trying to get money out of you because sweet pea, <laughs> in this event that's coming up, Pastor Nija and I personally, personally, no money came from the church for this. 85% of it came from Nija and I. And this, is, this, is, this event will cost as much as a small house here in Des Moines. We're generous because we know who we're giving to. And, and we know why we're giving. So I said that not to lift up Nietzsche and I, I said that so you would maybe hopefully tear down that wall that I'm trying to get something out of you. We're, we're not charging anybody for this event. We're not even taking up an offering, okay? Because, because these religious walls are up, these, these, these perceptions that we see when somebody's talking about giving and being generous that, that we see through our own scarcity and our own history of stinginess and greed. Because we all struggle with it, okay? Now, don't act like it's not you. We all struggle with it, okay? There's, it seems like there's only so much pie, right? And there's, there's, there's 10 of us that want a piece of that pie, but, you know, you're only going to get eight decent pieces, so you try to wait till two people leave before you get the pie out. See, that's stinginess. We all struggle with it. So if you understand, we're not talking about your giving to the church. We're talking about your heart. Being generous is an attitude of the heart. It is a spiritual fruit. For God so loved the world that he gave. He's generous. What did he give? Everything he created and everything he was. And everything he is and everything he ever will be. The truth is he wants us to do the same, but we don't have to do it by our own natural power. He's put his spirit in us so that we can become like him. When we talk about prosperity, everybody say prosperity. Does God want you to prosper? Well, are you sure? Do you tell people that God wants you to prosper? If you don't, why not? Does God really want to see you increase? Why does he want to see you increase? Why does God want to give you more? I want you to get a picture of God. God stopped everything that he was doing 
and he spoke and created this world. He created the mountains, he created the valleys, he created the oceans, he created the fish, he created the birds, he created the flowers, he created the trees, he created the stars and the heavens and the, the sun and the moon. He created everything. He put gold and silver and oh, petroleum and oil and, 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 and minerals and salt and all of these things throughout the earth. And then he gave it to two people. That's God. He's generous. Psalms 23 says that, that, the, that God, that the Lord sets a table before me. And if you go into the Hebrew, it means a rich and abundant table. And then he says, and he pours my cup and it overflows. It spills over. And when I think of that through stingy eyes, when I think of that through a greedy heart, I think, what are you doing, Jesus? You're wasting wine. I could drink that later, or somebody else could have it. Or if I, if I get into a tight spot, I could sell the wine that's left. What are you doing pouring it over the table? He's expressing in Psalms 23 that he wants to give you more that you have need of and to him, overflow is not waste. It's an expression of how much he wants to give you. My cup overflows. Jehovah Jireh. It's one of the first names that God revealed himself. He revealed himself to Abraham when he's up on the mountain. And, and he's going to sacrifice his son Isaac because God asked him to. And he's, got to let's see, he's got the knife over his head. He's ready to plunge it into the chest of, of his son. And God says, stop. And he says, look behind you, there's a ram that I placed in the thicket for you. That will be your sacrifice. And Abraham said that God, Jehovah, was Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, the God who provides more than enough. Are you hearing the theme? The, all of creation for two people. That's a little overkill. Your cup overflows. Well, come on, that seems wasteful. That seems like overkill. He provides more than enough. Jehovah Jireh literally means that he sees the need in advance. And he provides more than what you have need of. And Pastor Naju was touching on it. That's, that's one of the keys to walking in abundance. That's one of the keys of walking in the, having more than enough is following his spirit. Because he places things in our life in advance that we'll intersect with that has more than enough. And many times we're walking in scarcity because we're not following his spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen. So there, there, is a, there is a theme here that God is the God of more than enough. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the word of God says, The thief's purpose, that's Satan, is to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, my purpose is to give us, my purpose is to give you a rich and a satisfying life. He said, I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd, sacrifice, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Jesus said, my purpose is to give you a rich and a satisfying life. In other translations, what does it say? 
He's come to give you an abundant life. Now, the religious mind is going to read that scripture and he's going to say, well, that abundant life is after we die. All of the things that we need in abundance will be in heaven. Theologically, that doesn't even make sense. I don't need gel, I don't need gems. I don't need precious stones. I don't even need food in heaven. Because when I'm in heaven, I'm a spirit. My body isn't connected yet. It happens after, at the resurrection. When I die, I'm a spirit. I'm living in a place where, where, where precious commodities aren't as precious because the street is paved with gold, for goodness sake. I don't need healing in heaven because there's no sickness in heaven. I don't need finances in heaven because there's no commerce in heaven. I don't need precious things because everything is precious in heaven. I don't need lifted above the others because we are all in Christ. Are you hearing me? I don't have to provide for myself because my God, my Lord, my God takes care of me in a very intimate way in his presence. The life that he's talking about is not the life after death. It is the life we're living today. If you look at the Old Testament in a different way, excuse me. Okay. I just want to make sure I could throw that out there. If, if you look at the Old Testament in a different way, many times because of the way we were trained, we look at the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament as the do's and don't of Christianity. And that's not what they are. They may have come across to those that were leading the Jewish nations as the do's and the don'ts, but that wasn't their purpose. Their purpose was to connect, it, to connect the individual, the individual Israelite who really loved God to his goodness, to an abundant life. Because, let me explain it this way. Sin was in the earth and sin ran rampant. And the penalty of sin was separation from God and death. And so God said, this isn't going to work because I want to bless this guy, but I can't get to him because something's in the way. So I am going to put a system in place that if they sin, they can do this sacrifice. They can offer this offering. They can go to this person for prayer. He can anoint them with oil. When he does all these things, then guess what? It gives them an avenue to my goodness. It gives them an avenue to my, to, to my provision. It gives them an avenue, a greater access into what we call the blessing of God. Are you hearing me? See, God loved Israel. And so he provided a way that they could, in their sin, still touch the goodness of God. Psalms 103, praise the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits. He who forgives all of my sins. He, God, who heals all of my diseases. And he, God, who fills my life with good things so that my strength is renewed like the eagles. That's Old Testament. 
How can somebody who has sin in their life, because sin is a separator from God, get into the blessing of God like that? Because they understand the law is not there to say you did wrong and you did right. It's there so they can do things to open up the goodness of God and to provoke his blessing in their life. And Jesus came to fulfill that, to tear the wall completely down. And when we're led by his spirit and we're led by his word, what are we doing? Are we trying to earn brownie points from God? No, we're opening up the access of God's blessing into our life. Obedience always increases the blessing of God in your life. Obedience always causes a greater avenue to open up for God to pour out his favor in your life, to pour out his blessing, to pour out his protection, to pour out his provision. And if we, if we shift the way that we were trained, we can see the goodness of God in the old covenant. And in the new covenant, we have a relation with him because of the blood of Jesus, because of the sacrifice. His spirit is within us. But when we're led by his spirit, we fulfill, this is Romans chapter 8, we fulfill the righteous requirements of the law and you are blessed. As a matter of fact, those who are led by the spirit of God are seen, recognized, and known as his children. Because there's an obvious difference in the life of a person who is led by his spirit and one who's not. What's the difference? Favor, provision, blessing, protection, anointing. Are you hearing me? In this life, not, not, not. If everything that you're going to get from God is this, that side of death. How big is your God? If I have to die to win, then why did he die for me? If I have to die to receive the blessing of God, to receive the healing of God, to see, receive the favor of God, th then how big is my God? No, he's big enough that he knew if he died, then he could open up the access of his blessing and his goodness. He never changes. And that if we live by the word and we live by the spirit, then we will be able to access or provoke his goodness. Can I get an amen? amen? Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. I want you to hear me say this. He didn't say you won't have tests. He didn't say you won't have trials. He didn't say you won't have dry seasons. We're all going to experience those things. Those things mature us. Those things make us stronger. Those things make us better. Those things, tests, trials, and tribulations, increase our perseverance. So when we get hit, you know, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. When we get hit, we don't stumble all the way to the ground. And if we do happen to hit the ground, Jesus is right there to say, come on, get up, son, get up. Let's do this thing again. Let's do it again. Now you learned something. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. 
And every time you get up, if you're following his spirit, there is an increase. You may not see it because, you know, for you, it looks like this, right? But people who are watching you, they see this. And they're down here. And it's when you fall that they see God in your life. It's when you stumble when they see God in your life. It's when, when they, 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 it doesn't look like it's going to work. There's no, there's no way. I can't, why, what the heck is wrong with that person? Are they broken on the inside? Do they not have a brain? They're believing in an invisible God who doesn't seem to ever show up. But hold on. I look at their life and I see God's doing something in that guy's life. God's doing something in her life. Because God is a God that wants to prosper you. Let's talk about that word prosper for just a minute. It can be a very selfish word. If, if you want to get rich quick, the Bible says you're going to be subjected to all kinds of temptations and evil. So I want to tell you this. Prosperity through God's providence is never quick. Now, there may be a suddenly, like what happened to Israel several times, when, when, when the, the price, you couldn't even get a, a loaf of bread, but the next day you could get, you can get an entire cow for what they were paying for a loaf of bread. I mean, there, there's, there's suddenlies, but it's never quick. So we don't want to get rich quick. And I don't know, even know if I want to get rich, because what does that mean? You know what I want? I want the flow that God, as God gets things to me and I give them to others to increase. I did some pipe fitting when I was just out of high school, copper tubing, um, PVC, black thread pipe. And, you know, I learned some things about pressure and volume. And, you know, the, 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 smaller, the smaller the diameter of whatever it is you're pushing through, it, it, there's usually greater pressure. There will be greater pressure if you put the same amount of volume through it. So, so sometimes, you know, something will call for a half-inch pipe, but then you go back to the engineer because you say, I don't think so. And he says, you know what, you're right. We better put a two-inch pipe in there because the pressure is going to be too great. What I want in my life, is for the, the diameter of that corridor of blessing that's flowing into my life to increase so that what is going out will increase as well. I don't really care how much I have in reserve. That makes no difference. Maybe I'm broke. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm broke up here that way. I don't know. But I don't care because, because I don't see my, my source I don't see, Minija and I don't see our, 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 our pool of funds. We don't see our reserve as our source. We see him as our source. And I want to see that flow increase. I don't need to accumulate. I need to, what God can, there's a saying in the body of Christ that God will get it to you if he can get it through you problem with most Christians is he gets it to us and then and then we hang on to it because we haven't had anything for a while we have a scarcity mindset 
And a scarcity mindset or a poverty mindset is one that doesn't understand, one that doesn't understand, one that doesn't comprehend that your source is not your reserve or your reserve is not your source. But God is your source. When you see that God is your source, generosity is a possibility. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and, all, and, and all, above all else and live righteously, and God will give you everything that you need. The Bible says in Psalms 23, I shall have no wants. If I have no needs and I have no wants, what does that mean? If I have, does that mean that I'm dead? No, <laughs> that means that I'm provided for. If I have no needs and I have no wants, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and he'll take care of everything you need. And the Bible says in Psalms 23 that if he's your shepherd, you'll have no wants. That means you have everything that you have need of. You have everything that you desire. That's what God said. That's my source. Are you hearing me? And when I see that God is my source, generosity is a fruit. I can't be generous with a stingy mindset. And I will have a stingy mindset if I think I'm the one who put my wealth together. If I think I'm the, well, yes, you had to be disciplined. Yes, you had to put things away each week. Yes, you had to make some decisions in investing. But do you understand that God is the one who gave you the strength to get the wealth? God is the one who allowed the wisdom into your life to multiply the wealth. And without God, you'd be just like your brother-in-law. Or your nephew. Or your father's father. See, God did something for you. And you could have a generous mindset if you don't have a, a, a stingy heart. Are you with me? There is a purpose in prosperity. And prosperity in, in the Christian world without the purpose is perverted. And the purpose comes back to the mission. And the mission is all about others. How do you know if you're stingy? Look at the ledger in your checkbook or on your online account and see where the money goes. How do you know if you're stingy? How much of that money goes to maybe organizations or people that have in need? How many loans have you made to somebody this year who you know couldn't pay you back? How many times did you fill somebody's gas tank just because they didn't have any money but you had a little extra? How many people's meals did you buy that you didn't even know? How can you tell if you're stingy? Well, the Bible, Jesus told us that our money will be where our heart is. I love God. I love people. Okay, show me. Because faith without works is dead. Show me where you spend your money. Well, you know, I've got to spend at least 98% on myself. If he's your shepherd and he's your Lord, first thing you're going to do is understand the tithe. That 10% of all increase goes to him. 
And if you really understand and you're led by the Spirit, you're going to be given above the tithe, not necessarily to the church, but to other people. Now, hold on. If the inflow is restricted in my mind, the outflow will be diminished. If I don't see that God is my source, then the outflow is going to shrink. As a matter of fact, when you really have a stingy mind, when you know that money's going to get tight, even before it's tight, you start restricting your giving. That tells you that you have a human mindset according to your provision. Are you hearing me? You start making plans right away to, to lower your giving or to lower your, to, to not give to your kids as much as you were because you see, it looks like in the natural things are going to get tight. But when you know that God is your source and he doesn't change and you expect him to increase you, guess what's going to happen? In times like that, Nija and I have increased our giving. Crazy, but we're still here. And God still provides. And we're so, we're so blessed. We are so blessed. When everybody else was saving for their kids' college fund, and that's smart. When everybody else was saving for their kids' cars, that's smart. We were sowing. Our first two came out of homeschool, and, and they're, they're, they're almost full ride down at Drake. Just this week, our, our third one that came into driving age was given a car. All, all three of them had their own cars. The, the two that are out are, are, are scholarship to college for the next four years as long as they keep their grades right. Uh, do you understand? I'm not telling you to do it that way, but Nietzsche and I just have that kind of crazy faith that we know that God is our, our source and he's going to provide for us we, we, we don't look at our paycheck as, as our source. If, if we praise Jesus, we don't do that. He's our source. God wants you to be generous. And that's what we're talking about, this fifth law. Everybody say generous. Turn to the person next to you and say, be generous. Turn to the other person say, be generous. Here's what you're really saying. Change your heart. Think spiritually. Oh, thank God it's not my strength that provides for my family. Thank God it's not my willpower that provides for my family. I work hard. Probably this week, Lucas and I probably put in 70 hours. And we're going to probably put in some more today because we, we're getting ready for this, this event. I, I, we work hard, but, but that's not what provides for me. That's not what provides for my family. I believe this so much that when Nija, when Nija gets out of faith and she starts putting pressure on me, well, we need this and we need that, what do I say? Don't talk to me. Talk to him. I'm not the provider of this family. He is. Some people may say, oh, pastor, that's not. The Hold on now. That seemed to work for Abraham. Seemed to work for David. Seemed to work for Solomon. Seemed to work for the disciples. It works for us. That doesn't mean you don't work. 
because God blesses the works of your hand. Actually, God, the Bible says that, that God wants you to work not so you can feed yourself. The Bible says that, you are, that he wants you to work so you have more than enough so you can share with others. So if I believe with all of, and I do, I believe with all my heart, and Pastor Nigel believes with all our heart, that God will supply all of our needs. He'll make sure that we have no wants. And so we live in that. We, we believe that. And so when we work, we're working to gain something to give. Well, you all are crazy. Well, maybe. But it It works. Because God wants us to be generous. God wants us to be generous. It's an attitude of the heart. The easiest place to check your generosity is in the ledger of your, your checking account. The hardest place to check is in your heart when it comes to time that you give to others. I had a very near, dear friend say to me just recently, he said, he's questioning why we give so much. And, and I, 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 understand, I understand the questioning. He says, does that mean that you are a slave to the ministry? I said, no, I'm a slave to God. I guess I never even really thought of it. I, I made the decision a long time ago. I was a slave to sin, but when I made a choice to follow Jesus, I became a bondservant, which means I was more of a family. And then he did something miraculous and made me a son. I'm not, I can't get out of that family. I've been born into it. And I have responsibilities in that family. But I don't think I could fulfill those responsibilities if I didn't have a generous heart. Now, please don't hear me wrong. Pastor Nietzsche and I are not there yet. We have our discussions. We have our doubts. And we have our times when we say, but when God? Because God always provides. It just seems like to our natural minds and our emotions and our experience that he's kind of late sometimes. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 tells us why. We're to be generous. See, God's purpose in Christ is to provide a rich and a satisfying life. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You want to know if you've got a stingy mindset? You're thinking about the seed. You want to know if you have a prosperous mindset? You're thinking about the harvest. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You want to know if you have a stingy mindset? You're thinking about the expense of the seed. You want to know if you have a prosperous mindset? You're thinking about the investment of the seed. Here, let me read it again. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. If you have a stingy mindset, you're thinking about what you gave up and you're comparing the number you had before you planted and the number after, and you're looking at that difference. 
and you have this doubt, will I even get one for one back? Will I get one kernel of corn for every, I don't know if I'm going to get one kernel of corn for every kernel of corn. I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Oh my goodness. What if I only get half, I, I just spent 100,000 kernels of corn, but I'm probably going to get 25 back. That means I'm 75 in a hole. Stingy mindset. But now if I, I sow 100,000, 100,000 kernels of corn, and I say, oh my goodness, you know, every kernel of corn produces one stock, and on every stock is two to three ears, and on every ear is another 100 kernels of corn. My gosh, that's a three, that's a, that's a 300% return. No, that's a 3,000% return. I could take that. That's wonderful. I don't care if it's 300 or 3,000. Both are pretty good. Matter of fact, if it's a tenfold return, I'll take that. That's pretty good. You see the difference? Because I have faith in the process. I have faith in the ground. I have faith that God will water it in its due season. I have faith that I'll be able to get out there and harvest it when it's ready and I'll recognize it. Now, the other way I'm saying, I don't know if I'm going to recognize it. I don't know if God's going to send rain. I don't know if this ground is any good. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each, you must, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And, and, and don't give it reluctantly. As a matter of fact, if you're going to give reluctantly, don't give. It's better to hold your seed and give it in faith. And, and if, if you're going to give reluctantly, then just hold it. Don't give in response or to pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a generous heart. God loves a generous person. Now, God loves the world, but when he's talking to the believer, when he loves somebody, guess what happens? He pours out his blessing. He pours out his favor. He pours out his increase. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's the purpose of prosperity. As the scriptures say, they shall freely give. They shall freely they shall share freely and give generously to the poor, and their good deeds will be remembered forever. Verse 10. For God is the one, don't ever forget this, he's the one that provides the seed for the farmer. And he's the one that provides the bread for us to eat. And the same way he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of your generosity. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way. Why? So you can always be generous. Hold on, think about it. Think about it. He will provide and increase your resources. If I'm giving stingily, I'm thinking my resources are dwindling. If I'm giving stingily, if I'm giving with a greedy heart, if I'm giving in a way that I think I'm my source, then I look at my resources every time I give and I say, uh-oh. But if I look at God when I give, 
I say, wow, I can't wait for the harvest. I can't wait for the harvest. I can't wait for the harvest. Just as the law was put in place for the Israelites to access the goodness of God, to increase the diameter or the flow, the volume of God's blessing coming into their life, Jesus came to give you the same opportunity through faith. The blessing the increase the harvest is not automatic there are a lot of Christians in the world that are broke and they will always be broke but the overcoming followers of Jesus Christ have a generous heart because they're looking at him and they're looking at the harvest. Would you bow your head with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this message today. More than anything, God, I, I want you to please speak to their hearts that this isn't about giving to this church. This is about their heart. This is about our hearts becoming like your heart willing to give everything that we have the moment that you call for it. Why? Because we, we're growing in our trust in you. Thank you that we're generous. Thank you that we're faithful. Oh, but thank you that you're generous and thank you that you're faithful. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place this morning and you need to give your life to the Lord, then I want to pray with you. If you need to make things right between you and God, I, I want to pray with you. If you need strength in your spiritual man because you've been separated from him, then I want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I am going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. But if that's you, the Bible says that if you acknowledge me in front of men, I'll acknowledge you in front of the Father. He also said, but if you disown me in front of men, I'll disown you in front of the Father. If you need to connect yourself to the goodness of God through Jesus Christ, would you raise your hand right now so I know who to pray with? Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah, yes, hallelujah. Let's put our hands in our heart and let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you with all my heart. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to become like you. Forgive me of my sin. I make Jesus the Lord of my life. Fill me with your spirit to strengthen me so I can do the things you're leading me to do. I am a generous person because you're a generous father. In Jesus' name, amen.